0: Just to preface this, whenever like, you have an idea in your head, like, oh, like this is, this is going to look so good. Well, I was like, I'm going to bring up the table and a couple chairs. And everybody kept asking, like, well, Aaron, who else is coming up? No one. And so just to preface, it's just me up here. This is just my metaphor. This is just part of my illustration today, okay? So it's just me once again today. But I want to begin today. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you actually two questions. Number one, I want you to just think back. In your life, who is that one person that has impacted you most in your life? And positively, not negatively, but positively. Think back. Who is that one person? And just kind of help set the scene. Once again, use my metaphor. Who would you have right now sitting across the table from you? Who would that be? Maybe it's a dad. Maybe it's a mom. Maybe it's an aunt, cousin. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a friend. Who is that person that has positively impacted you most in your life? Who would you say? Now think about it a little bit further. My second question is who is that person in your life? Think back in your life to that person that God used to invite you to him. Who was it that God used in your life to invite you into a relationship with Him? Who was that? Who was that person? Maybe for most in this room, maybe it was a preacher. Maybe right now you're thinking that there would be a preacher sitting right there that you'd went to, that He was the one that that taught you, that showed you who Jesus was, who God was and the plan of salvation. Maybe that's who you'd put right there. Maybe. Maybe. But here's what I want to lead us into today. Here's for where I'd like to take us today is what I want you to think about is what would it look like for you to do for another what someone has done for you? What would it look like for you to be the person across this table having a positive influence on somebody's life, but even at a greater point, what would it look like for you to be the person across the table, that you are inviting somebody else to come to know who Jesus is? What would that look like? Now, here's what I think we all believe here. Or maybe I want to put some new, new context to We believe that anybody, no matter what your past is, no matter what your history is, no matter what sins you have committed, no matter what wrongs you have done, we believe with all of our heart that you can be saved. We believe that full-heartedly. But as I began to study, I came across this woman. Her name was Danielle. And Danielle, she says these words. She says, I realized that I have believed that God could save anyone because he saved me. So, but what would radically change my life and the trajectory that my life would go is when I realized that God could use me to help someone, that God could use me to help someone. Now, the first part we get so excited about, maybe you're thinking about that family member, maybe you're thinking about the friend or that neighbor that doesn't yet know who Jesus is, and that makes you so excited that they would come into relationship with him. They would choose to give their life to him. But then the second part, to have that realization that God could use me to be that someone in their life, there's probably a couple of emotions like, God, that's not me. I'm not the preacher for a reason. That's the preacher's job. I'm going to bring to church on Sunday. That's the preacher's role. Now, we definitely have a heartbeat to share the gospel, 100%. But but also, whenever you think about God using it, there's probably some fear that comes into your mind. There's some inadequacies that come into your mind. Or there may be this part of you that just says, God, I'm just not there yet, but maybe one day I will be. Well, today what I hope to do is I want to put you in that chair. I want you to see that today God wants to use you. God wants you to use you to be that someone in someone's life to lead them to him. And so our big idea for today that we're going to be centering today's message around is that you can do for someone what someone did for you. That you can do for someone what someone did for you. And I want to break this down into three steps here. That it all begins, number one, with your perspective. To see yourself in others. And then number two, to understand that there isn't a pressure, that there isn't a guilt or a shame to share this message or to share who Jesus is with those around you, because here's the incredible truth is that God is already at work. And then number three, believe that God wants to use you. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21, and we're going to have these up on the screen. And here is my hope is that we can shift our perspective that our community, your house, your life, can become the place and function of God bringing people to Himself. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 16. It says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, here's some incredible truth for you. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, Well, let's break this down just a little bit. You see, it all begins with a vision of how you see people. In verse 16, it professes here, there in the very beginning here, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. So we now regard others that we see, others that God has put into our lives with a different perspective, with a new lens, with a new vision. You see, our new identity gives us this new perspective. We now see clearly and fully who Jesus is. We see clearly and fully what Jesus has done. And when we see what he has done in our lives, then we begin to see the possibilities of others' lives as well. We value their inherent worth and potential for transformation. We see the biases that we once have are now stripped away, and we see truly and fully who People are, regardless of the past or their circumstances. And where do we get this idea? We get this fully and completely in who Jesus was. You see, Jesus saw people. Jesus saw people. And what I mean by that is Jesus saw those that the others didn't pay any attention to. The outcasts, the sinners, the broken, the ones, the poor in spirit, the poor literally in body and mind and soul, those who were cast aside that is who Jesus saw and that is who Jesus loved and so we see this within our own lives is that how do we see people now there's one concept that comes out is that oftentimes you'll see the church or you'll see believers they'll just begin to see people as projects And what I mean by that is they'll begin to cast judgment, they'll begin to cast sin upon those people, begin to bring up identifiers in their lives, and they say, well, you know what? All they need is Jesus. And that is so true. But the methodology of how we view them is very, very different. We think if we could just get them to church, or if we could just get them blank, you know, fill in the blank, then the Lord will work. And so what we find here is that this is not relational, We find that this is is not loving. We find that this is simply a different view than what Jesus had. Jesus, he came and he said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Said it is not the healthy who need a physician, but the sick. And he came as the great physician, seeing within and underneath the surface the greatest need that every single one of us have. Now, let me play this out another way. I want you to take yourself 50 years from now, every single person in the room. This is going to get really dark, and I apologize. Okay, let's just pray. 50 years from now, where do you find yourself? Yeah, some of you just said, I find myself in the grave. I don't really want to think about that. Uh, Hopefully, by that point, me and Emily are just living long and hopefully carrying on some good genes, and hopefully I still have my mind, please, Lord, help us. But 50 years from now, here's the reality. Some of you will not be here with us. This is one of the greatest realities of life. Is that death comes for us all. Death comes for us all. And what we find throughout, throughout the church world is that if you go back about 30 years, you begin to hear these two words, or three words, turn or Burn. And that was the way in which the gospel was presented. And what we find right now within our current current circumstances is this little quote that I found this week. Think about this. That God will judge the world may be true, but it is one of the best kept secrets in the Bible. You see, it is only as we look into the future when we begin to see one of our greatest needs for Jesus Because in that sense, when we look into our future, we see that there is something that awaits us all. And we see that death within itself, what is the root of death? The root of death is sin. It says the wages of sin is death. And that was not at all how God intended it. That was not at all how God planned it. But if you go back many, many years, you'll find two people named Adam and Eve. And there was this apple. And you're like, what is so bad about just eating an apple? And how does one... One like meal changes the trajectory of history. And we can see it within ourselves. This idea of our identity being the most important thing, the identity of our worth, the identity of, of our pride or our power being at the core root of who we are. And we see this within Adam and Eve, where she says, even though what God may have spoken to me to say eat of all of the land, of all the trees, but to not eat of the tree of life, she said, well, not just herself, but the devil came in and deceived her and said, Well, he, God doesn't want you to fully see. God doesn't really want you to be as powerful as him. What could hurt of eating a fruit? And we see from that one moment, all of the trajectory of history has been changed. And in that moment, sin entered the world. And right now, sin is corrupting everything that we see around us. And so when Jesus says he came to seek and to save, This is so important and so incredible. What did he save us from? Well, not only does he save us right now from our present circumstances and struggles, does he save us right now from from just the brokenness that we have, but we see the eternal hope that we have in Jesus. He saves us not only for today, but for all eternity. And how does he do it? As we just spoke about, through His love, His mercy, and His grace by sending His Son, Jesus, to die for both you and me. This is one of the greatest needs that we have. This is how we then, if this is true, if we know that time is short, if we know that at the end of this life that there are really two options that Scripture says, then how we view people isn't just light of temporal things, but of eternal. When you think of those who do not yet know Jesus, It is the heartbreak of not knowing him and the judgment of God coming upon them. That should change our perspective. That is where we find ourselves. And that is where we get. So you see yourself in others. You see the greatest need that each and every single one of us have. And this is exactly how Jesus saw others. But here's some encouragement. If the first part feels heavy there, that Jesus saw people and you're like, well, Aaron, what does that even mean? Then now for those that are my family and my friends, well, here's what's incredible news is that God is already at work. God is already at work. I love to think that it was coincidence or you like to think it's coincidence that you're here this morning. I like to call that just divine, the divine work of God that you are here this morning. You think you woke yourself up today, but God woke you up. You did not wake yourself up today. God woke you up today. And here's where you find yourself. Maybe you think it's by chance, but we see God moving and working all around us. And here's what we find in this piece of scripture is that it is God That in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting then to us the message of reconciliation, but it is God that was reconciling. This word reconciling is one of the greatest images. Imagine two armies who have been battling, who have been waging war against one another, and finally say, let's call it truce. Let's bring peace among us. And so the two armies would make that decision, and then between the two, you would see them writing a peace treaty. That is reconciliation. And imagine God coming to all humanity and saying, I offer you peace. I offer you hope. Even among your sins, even among your pain, even among your suffering, I offer you hope. And I'm going to do it in one of the most craziest ways possible. I'm going to give you my son as a sacrifice for all of the world's sin. And so if you look at the core of all history, it is God who initiates the reconciliation. It is God who initiates the peace. And so whenever you feel the pressure of what does it look like to share this with others, here's to the truth. God is already working. Now you gotta feel a little pressure here because how does God reconcile the world? He uses you and me. Even though God is already working, He has made the decision to allow us to be a part of what he is doing, and he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. And so, the last part here that we talk about here is that God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Like Paul, we are entrusted with this ministry. He is the writer of 2 Corinthians who's encouraging the church. We are entrusted with this ministry. With the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we we can see and we are, we, are, we are moved in the way in which He, he guides and directs us. And God wants, to be, wants us to be active in this. You see, right now you think that oftentimes that, that maybe, hey, I have a choice of whether or not to be in this chair. But God is inviting you to be a part of it. God is inviting you to be a part of bringing people to Him. God has his chair wide open for you to use your gifts, to use your talents, to use your home, to bring people to him. We are, as it says here, we are ambassadors for Christ. Anybody in here like wore any red, white, and blue over the past like 24 hours? Anybody got like the American flag t-shirt? Who has the old Navy American flag t-shirt? Now we know, right? You can't really celebrate the 4th of July without that t-shirt, it seems like. And why do we do that? We represent. We are ambassadors to freedom. We are ambassadors to independence. We are ambassadors of this country on the 4th of July. And so whenever it proclaims, how does, Jesus, or how does God reconcile the world? He uses his ambassadors, you and me, who in our lives and in our work and in our everyday ordinary, here is what we do our words, our actions, our deeds, our heartbeat, all reflects who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Drawing people closer to him and inviting them into this relationship with God. Now, saying all of that, it is extremely challenging to sit in that chair it's extremely challenging. i want to give you a few reasons why this is challenging. Number one is because oftentimes, if I were to ask you over the past week, have you thought about somebody else who doesn't yet know Jesus? More than likely, it would probably be no. And it's not because you chose that. It's just because everything else takes your attention. Everything else is drawing your mind away from it. Busyness, hectic life, we get it. But it's just the reality is oftentimes we aren't thinking about those around us. The second part, it requires humility. It requires patience. And it even requires a willingness to step out of our comfort zones to meet people where they are. And then let's just be honest, we are in a broken and fallen world. And sometimes it's easier to just depart from the world than it is to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And so we see that there are some challenges. But here's my hope today is that I wanted, I want to show you that you can be that someone, and I want to give you some practical steps that you can take to be that someone for somebody else. And if you have a phone or if you have a piece of paper, now is the time to take a few notes, because we're going to get practical in this. Let's look at this. What practical steps could you take in sharing your friends? This isn't formulaic, this isn't impersonal, but this is loving and relational. Step one, step one, this is gonna blow your mind. It's gonna blow your mind. Pray for people by name. That's where it all starts. If God is already at work, here's what you must be reminded, that God is already, we believe in working in the lives of those that just came to your mind. If you're taking notes, what I want you to do is just write those names down. Who are they? Who are those people in your life who do not know Jesus? Are they a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, family member? Who is that person? And here is where it all begins is you just begin to pray for them. And through prayer, here's what you begin to see. If God is working, then buckle up and be ready. God's going to begin to open up some doors. God is going to begin to break down some walls in their lives. And God may use positive, but He also used negative circumstances. Things may happen in others' lives and you may be the only person that they have to turn to. You don't know what happens, but this is where it begins. Don't start doing, just start praying. That's where it begins. Now, number two is probably one of my favorites, but also the most challenging for me and Emily. The second step is get to know your neighbors. Get to know your neighbors. You see every single one of us live next to probably somebody. It could be miles away. I mean, I get it. We're in Carter County. We like the seclusion. I love it. But then you may also find yourself extremely extremely close. And so the challenge here today is that where has God already placed you through your work, through where you live that he wants to use you, I want to say it one more time. Where has God already placed you, where He wants to use you? Now I'm not gonna lie. This part's gonna be real awkward. I'm just gonna be real honest. There are like three houses up. I don't know their names, and this is where it gets awkward. We lived there for three years. Three years. Yes, it's awkward. Could you imagine like knocking on their? Hey. So we've lived here, like right next door, for like three years. I don't even really know your name. We walked past one of them, and she was out on the porch. I'd never even seen her. I didn't even know she lived three years. She says, that's a beautiful day. I was like, yes. yes." Yeah, so I was like, but what do we do? We just keep on going, right? We keep on going. Our houses become our little silos. And what we often find is we know each other's kids. We even know each other's dogs, but yet we don't know them. And so whenever we talk about practical places to start, it's it's just right next door. Imagine your front yard being one of the greatest places that God uses. Or what if your ministry that God has for you is just the person right next door? Within our own family, we've seen this to be true. We can sense, we can feel that right now who God is calling our families to is to our neighbors. And I believe that the same may be true for you. Maybe the person you sit next to in the cubicle, maybe the person that you, whatever it may be, your your kids do sports together, and you set up your tent every single day. But this is one of the greatest commandments that God has given us is to love our neighbors. And so whenever you think about where to start or who to start with, this is the simplest place to start. So you begin to pray with them, you get to know your neighbors. And then the third one, which may be even more challenging, is you extend an invitation. You extend an invitation. And so, like, what does this look like, Aaron? Well, I'm gonna give you just a few examples. You know what? Maybe it's extending an invitation to just go grab some coffee. Maybe it's extending an invitation to actually come over and to have a meal. Whatever it may be, to use the greatest tool that Jesus had in his weaponry. table to show people who he is or when you think about why are we doing what we are doing in July like we have the summer cookout happening on July 4th, just a couple days away the fireworks man are going to be incredible the food top notch the fun oh it's going to be there But you know why we do this so that you can have a space to invite your friends and family into a community where they will feel loved, where they'll be known, and most importantly, they will begin to question what is different about this group in Carter County? Oh, we love Jesus, and He changed our lives. When you think about our, our kids' blast that's happening, so you may be questioning, Aaron, why in the world are y'all doing it on Friday nights? Well, here's why because we know that the life gets crazy, life gets busy. So we said, well, what if we broke it up over three nights in the course of July and do a Friday night and listen while the kids are learning all about who Jesus is? Our parents, our neighbors, our friends can be a part of our parking lot party. Once again, creating a space for you to invite your friends, your family, your neighbors into community. And once again, they will begin to ask, man, what is different about this group? And we profess it. Jesus. You see, whenever we begin to look at this, you don't have to have a platform. You don't have to have a stage to tell people about Jesus. Jesus, how did his ministry play out? We see him doing some incredible healings. We see him doing some incredible works. But in Matthew chapter 20, it says that Jesus came eating and drinking. I don't know about you, about everybody I know has to eat. Everybody everyone know has a dinner and a meal. And so one of the greatest ways that Jesus used or that Jesus shared his ministry and shared the kingdom of God was over again. It was that a table? And so today as we wrap up kind of this idea, the tool of Jesus was a table. And the table here's what I want to share you is oftentimes it's a very, very ordinary place. There is nothing special about this table, nothing. It's easily overlooked. It's easily pushed aside. But here's what we begin to find with the right heart, with the right spirit, hospitality will begin to break through. Hospitality is defined as the love of a guest. The love of a guest. And through your hospitality, here's what you begin to find you can cook a meal, you can wash some dishes, play some board games whatever it may be, and through all of that, here is what we believe and here's what we know is that Jesus will begin to fill that space, that God will begin to move, that God will begin to work, that God will begin to open up doors because it's a space where people can feel welcome, where people can feel loved, and most importantly, where God's Spirit can work in their lives. You may think it may not be profound, but here's what I want to say to you. If Jesus means everything to you, if Jesus is at the center of your life, then when people come in contact with you, when people interact with you, here's what's incredible. You know what begins to break forth? Jesus. It's unbelievable. And so as we close today, I want to finish where we started. That you can be for someone. You can do for someone what someone has done for you. And it isn't profound moves. It isn't the spectacular, but it is in the ordinary parts of your life that God wants to use you to bring others to Him. This is our call. This is our mission. And this is one of the greatest moves that we have as a community of God. And so we're going to close today just a little bit different. If you all don't care, would you just stand with us this morning? carter county when i think about our surrounding region all the counties around us and the people and the families man don't you just think about what would it look like to just see jesus just break forth through this region through this area about two years ago we were praying with a group of friends there were 15 of us and there's this vision that just continues to come to my mind and of over 50 tables throughout the county and throughout the region of people just praying together. As we begin to talk about our church, we're like, that is the peace. That is what we believe that God is calling us into to use the ordinary parts of our lives to show people who Jesus is. And listen, He has commissioned us, He has called us to be the reconcilers, to be the ministry of reconciliation. Here's what I want to encourage you once again is that Jesus, he saw people that God is already working around you that God wants to use you. And so for this first part, here's what I want you to do all across this entire room is I just want you to just lift up to your heart, lift up your mind, that person or that family or that friend that right now doesn't know who Jesus is. Bring them to your mind. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you, over the next few moments, would you just pray for them? Would you just pray for them as we worship, as we sing, would you just pray for them? And listen, I want to encourage you as well. We're going to have a couple people up here at the very front. And maybe there's just somebody that family member or that friend that you've just been praying for for year after year after year. And today, if you just really want to come forward and be have this person lifted up and prayed together here up front, we would love for you to take that bold step today. We believe God's going to move. But then secondly, today, we just begin to feel that God's just doing something special in our midst. And that today may be the day that you give your life to Jesus. As we sing about today, and we're going to sing once again that 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 even though death may be looming, that even though sin may be overwhelming, that there is a God who loves you. There is a God who sent His Son to die for you, for your sins both now and forever. And in His name, you have hope. In His name, you have freedom. In His name, you have reconciliation. You have peace between you and Him. And so you have to ask today, how can I be saved? How can I receive this salvation that God has given us through His Son, Jesus? Well, it proclaims that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that He came for you, that He died for you, and He got up out of a grave for you, then you can be saved. And so I'm going to give you two options, that right where you are, that today you can receive the salvation. But I also know that maybe today God is calling you to make a bold profession of your faith, to literally, as we used to do, to walk an aisle and to kneel before those, to pray for you and to give your life boldly to the Lord. And so as we worship together, this is our two invitations. Number one, to pray boldly for those who do not know you of the Lord. And then number two, to boldly step out in trust and trust in faith in Him. We're going to have some of our friends up here to pray with you. I'm going to invite my friend Eric to be up here as well to pray with you. And we just want to encourage you, the next few moments, let's just fill this space. Just calling out to God. Amen.